0: Hi and welcome to The Three Good Podcast. A weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Suk Pavia. Happy weekend folks and welcome to uh, this weekend's episode of The Three Good Podcast. I've been a couple of weeks shy of getting a recording in and uh hope that you haven't missed me too much and that there's been good and interesting things happening in your own lives uh, certainly mine has been a bit active over the last couple of weeks so today i'm quite excited because i get an i get to interview uh talk with not interview I get a talk with another guest and uh hi sarah
1: hello i'm happy to be How interviewed are you?
0: i'm good <laughs> <laughs> it is a pretty aces that we're on a call together and recording this, um, because Sarah and I have uh, have known each other for a long, long time. When was it that we actually did our MSc, Sarah?
1: 2001, 2002?
0: It was mm-hmm. that long ago, wasn't it? Yeah, Gosh.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Wow, okay, so a lot happened in that time. Yeah. Um, so Sarah and I did our occupational psychology master's degree together at the same university, And we did that over a two-year period. And um, then after that, I think just natural life took us in lots of different
1: ways. Yeah, and you went on Facebook, so I I lost track.
0: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And I'm still not on Facebook, and I'm probably never, ever going to be there either. Uh,
1: So then I think I ended up coming across you on Twitter. And, yes, uh, that's right.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then I restalked you for a bit and I stalked some of the people that you <laughs> followed and engaged with and kind of stuck myself back in and then we got yeah. back in contact. <laughs>
0: yeah, we did. And uh, it's been nice to do. And we, we, we occupy a, a, kind of, a similar world of work around learning. Uh, well, I, I, I occupy kind of mainly the learning development and OD world of work. And so what, you're into change these days or yeah. change in OD in different
1: ways? Yeah, change. Um, yeah, I don't really know where I fit in kind of a title <laughs> box. Okay. Um, I just help people. We, we don't have to put you No. Answer, but... <laughs> um, I just help people do change. Um, yeah. And that can be anything from kind of your standard understanding of change project, pro- projects. Um, yep. So big digital transformation pieces in healthcare um, through to just helping people think about how to change their personal brand or their internal company brand. Um, because I've I've got kind of this personal interest in how we experience brands, both as an external product and internally as culture and stuff. So I tend to kind of dip into that a little bit. Um, nice. But my core currently my core work i've been working as a freelancer is um my official title is head of strategy and transformation for a company called ideal health who are Mm -hmm. a a digital healthcare consultancy um and i work with them on a part-time basis to look after and kind of oversee and help them shape their work around big digital transformations in the nhs okay that's
0: a good bit of work and um I'm conscious that we are uh, here to talk about other things, but there is lots of stuff that I would love to <laughs> talk to you more about. Um, and and so the other thing that keeps us both connected um, quite naturally is that we both share an interest in positive psychology.
1: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's weird that we've kind of done the same masters and ended up both liking that, um, but we do. And it's nice because yes, then we get somebody to discuss it with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, what is it that interested you about positive psychology?
1: Um, coming from a healthcare background, so my first, so while we were studying for our masters, um, our lovely tutor Mark said, "You can't stay waitressing forever. You need to kind of probably think about applying this into a a, a different workplace." And so, I applied for a job in the NHS local hospital and yeah. kind of loved it and got stuck in it ever since because I, I just can't leave it. I just love it so much. Um, and But it's a depressing environment. It's a hard right. environment. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stick and not a lot of carrot um, yeah. in, in the NHS. And so when I started to see this stuff about positive psychology, I was like, oh, what is this? This looks yeah. different. And yeah interesting and I did a bit of a bit more research into it and I came across appreciative inquiry and I did an appreciative inquiry course um right. and then I started using it by stealth in my work um and just saw the impact I like that, by, yeah. by stealth <laughs> yeah and just saw the impact that it had um and just little things like starting meetings in a way that wasn't okay guys these are all the issues that we've got to deal with. We know it's rubbish. We know we've got my money. We know we've got no resources, but we're going to have to do it anyway. I know you're all tired. Here we go. What should we do? And just right. being like right, where is it that we're trying to get to? We've done good work before. How have we done the good work before? What are the strengths we pulled on? What are the bits that got us through? How do we then move towards where we want to go? And yeah. Just that subtle shift without telling them that's what I was doing is more energizing than reminding everybody of how dire it can be sometimes and then getting them to be inspirational about how we do more with less Um, yeah yeah and and started applying that stealth approach to language so if I was writing strategies or communications um I wouldn't Mm. I wouldn't lead from the kind of standard NHS stuff I would lead from sometimes I started with a thank you which was unheard of um Mm, and just just weaving it in that way. And people had a really good response to it. And they couldn't tell why they were responding differently. Um, yeah. But they just were. Um, and now I do it a bit more explicitly. Um, right. With our approach that I take with ideal. We're very explicit that the principles of positive psychology play a big part. Um, but a lot of times, and one of the things I wrote down to probably discuss with you today, is that I don't understand how we've got ourselves into this position where talking about things positively or talking about our own happiness is somehow fluffy or not important enough or like chewed away. So if you go into an organization and say, look, we're going to do some positive psychology with you, everyone like eye rolls, here we go. Happy. And I don't, I genuinely don't understand how we have lost so much. We've lost the ability to place value on our own well-being and happiness in its broadest sense. And, I don't know I don't know yeah,
0: yeah that's, um, it's a great one yes
1: absolutely let's talk about that yeah that's no, gonna be a good one so that was one of my things to put your brain on so I do I still do a combination of stealth and kind of explicit stuff with clients depending on um gauging the culture and and their kind of personal preference to stuff um yeah but we're being uh, I'm being very strict on not working with people that just don't get it because that's okay it's, it's not good for anybody um yeah. and I mean like you try and you have the conversations but if they are like I really like what you're saying but actually I just want a risk log and I want everybody to how can you design a process that everything is just based on this risk log and I'm like that it's not yeah. it's not going to help that's not going to help you get to where you want to get to um no, and what, I think we've just got a different approach and, and that's just not going to work and um, yeah. It's nice to be in that position. Um, and some of these people come back around as as usual. They then ponder on it and go actually right. I kind of get it. We tried it, it didn't work. Let's let's go let's <laughs> go back around and and do it again. So um, but it's really tough, especially in healthcare. Healthcare is yes. driven by a medical broke-fix model. It's the fundamental it reason that you're in there. Um yeah. But I've seen more and more interesting stuff come out. There's lots of patient safety groups doing some really interesting stuff with appreciative inquiry that I just love. Um, so right. it, is get, it is getting out there. It is being used more widely
0: yeah.
1: in the NHS. And I think the the I'm, I'm not a kind of generational millennial person, but I do think yeah. as the older medical generation move out of the NHS, some of this stuff mm. will have a bit more space
0: so yeah
1: uh, it's an interesting time
0: yeah and there's um so there's lots there that I I want to just pick up on and just reference in different ways and I'm glad I've got a pen and paper with me because I I need I'm going to need to start writing stuff (laughs) down
1: because
0: as as we talk I'm sure that there's going to be things that you say that I'm going to think oh I really need to ask something about that and then I'll forget yeah I'm going to start writing things down
1: and actually one of um, one of my other things was yeah yes, uh, so for th- those listening i went to um a positive psychology conference yesterday and one of the things is that it's so big and there's so many facets to all of this yeah. stuff is how do you pick out also pick out the bits and use it because sometimes you yeah. look at it and you just go oh, how can i remember to even think of all this stuff and when i'm applying it and using it in my practice and um so yeah there's an yeah. element of that
0: yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's there's, there's gonna, This is going to be a good conversation. Sorry, and that links b- to our kind of chat about, about
1: boxes and linears and process and models. Um.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, um, I mean, uh, you know, w- w- one of your, one of the things that you, you mentioned there around, the broke fix model of healthcare, and and also then just a bit uh, about when you started your meetings and how I'd be like, right, let's try and inspire from a broken place. That's hard. Yeah, and I'm thinking about um, some of the. So I, I listen to another podcast called Emotion at Work, which is.
1: Uh, Me too. <laughs> yes,
0: I know you do, and it's uh, done by Phil Wilcox, who we both know, and he does some. He has some really good guests on there, and one of the things that I've become really attuned to because of some of the stuff that he talks about there is how language drives where we're at with stuff. So if, if the language of um, the environment you're in is, right, we're going to start the meeting and we're going to talk about how, thing, how tough things are and we've, uh, we haven't got resources and we're going to be asking to do more with less, that's, just, that, that, that's already deflating you and it's already coming at stuff with a, uh, in a frame of hard life, challenging, there's problems to solve. How are we supposed to fix all of this? it doesn't encourage it doesn't engender um open thinking it doesn't allow you to want to come from a place of so where are our strengths and how are we going to actually be better in the world yeah that 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 may be some of the intention that comes later but certainly to you know and and i don't think that's restricted to just the healthcare world you know i'm i know there are many other organizations where they would approach a topic in the same way of Right, you know, clients given us this brief, they don't like this, they want it fixed in some way, how are we gonna make it better? That frame still exists yeah. of, of there's something broken and we need to fix it in in some
1: respect. Yeah. And um, and so there is something there for me which is
0: and I'm not sure where or what drives that, you know, is is that around the culture of the organization? It might be is it around how we learn how to have those conversations? It might be yeah, is it that there's just not enough education around how to have a strengths-based conversation? Maybe. Yes, yeah, so I think there's a number of factors which which uh, which play into that, which which mean that that's a, yeah, it's just a tough place to start from.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think Sarah Lewis, uh, one of yeah. our one of our favourite peeps in her kind of uh, positive psychology and change book, talks about how we are ingrained from education kind of onwards to look for logic and to solve problems and therefore that becomes a start point for most of the conversations that we have in our lives and in our organizations but starting from a problem almost restricts Mm -hmm. your ability to create new because you're linking to old and so but it's it's comfortable. It's what people understand. It is yeah. my whole life yeah. has been based around this has gone wrong and I need to fix it, which is a back to the broke fix model in the NHS and so it's so yeah. ingrained in us this kind of need to come together around a problem and fix <sighs> it that positive psychology shifts you to being more about what is the future that we want to create. And how do we do yeah. that? And there will be problems along the way that pop up, and you work out how to do them. But you, it's yeah, that it's that tiny shift, and that's it's a very different way of doing things. When, well, basically from birth onwards, we're taught to solve problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, we are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And then you know you you are the. You, the question that led that you led out from that was how how have we got to a place where when we try and talk about things from a strength-based positive psychology point of view that people roll their eyes and they they don't it doesn't seem like they want to engage because they and um, they f- see it as a and um, I think I think it gets called a soft and yeah happy you know, uh, fluffy yeah, but I think it only gets called that because people don't understand what it actually yeah. allows for and yeah. what it actually is about.
1: Yeah. and there you were a,
0: so, Sorry,
1: uh, I was just going to say, and there were a lot of people at the conference yesterday really surprised by the evidence base that exists. Yeah, right, um, right. In terms of across all sorts of things, well-being, depression, organisational change. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it it was really nice to see that yesterday, people going, oh, hang on, this stuff actually works. This isn't just stuff that I'm intuitively <laughs> drawn to because I like the sound okay. of and I want to be yeah, happy. Yeah. There is yeah. an evidence base here that says we've done loads of studies and loads of kind of meta-analysis of loads of other studies and yeah. it's coming back that this stuff works um, if you use it in an, in an interventional way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean... And it's, and that, one of, it's one of these things as well, like, yeah. if, if someone, if my friends and family were to describe me, they would describe me as kind of a very logical process-driven person. So the right. exact kind of opposite of what positive psychology is. And I see a lot of people drawn to positive psychology for that nature. You have kind of a, I'm a natural fixer, so the broke fixer is yeah. a natural position for me. Um, but there, it's the realisation that it's not enjoyable. Or yeah. it's not bringing out the best in me to be that way. So you start searching for stuff and then you come across this kind of new way of doing things, which
0: yeah.
1: I have a two-year-old, isn't new to her. That's how she does things. Positive psychology yeah. is how she does things. Um, and then, yeah, we go through this kind of system and it it puts problems in yeah. the heart of it and it breaks it all back down again. And um, Yeah, and, but I... Everyone wants to be happy, right? I don't... I genuinely don't understand how we've got to the point where we're like, oh, God, someone's going to talk to me about how to make me happy and how to make my employees happy. And Mm. I don't want that. See, I think one of the things
0: is that what you've raised really, really nicely is that that positive psychology is steeped in an evidence-based approach. Yeah. And that when I... Certainly, when I talk about it, and I've done workshops on it and whatever, and and you help people understand what that evidence base is and that the methodologies that are uh, that are um taught and that are encouraged around it's because there is a wealth of evidence behind it to say that's why it works is because there's been proper trials around this stuff and it's not just because i've had some life-changing event and i've realized that there's happiness to be sought in the world and here's my view on what that happiness looks like and how to seek it out. And I think that's probably the view that, or rather that there's that's an approach which has been taken up so many times. I'm wondering if that's one of the things that drives people's cynicism about positive psychology yeah. because they've their experience of it, well, I say to date, not necessarily to date, but their experience of it in the main will be you know and a suddenly enlightened person who has decided that they're going to seek out happiness and this is these are the things you should do to seek out happiness and
1: that's okay right the self-help industry has a lot to answer for
0: (laughs) oh it really does it really really does and it's and that's okay to an extent it's when it's when you have to try and unpack it in a way which is where you really start to interrogate but what does that insight tell us how does well not just the one insight but the you know the several insights because it's normally several how do those insights actually work in a range of different contexts and across a different group of people and all of those types of things and in many cases that that self-help type approach just starts to fall down because it's only ever drawn out of that one set of experiences it's yeah. not which is where the evidence based approach really has strength then because you're you know quite confidently you can say yeah it's not just been done in one setting it's been done across other things there's meta analysis done on this stuff and it shows that there is that there are there are good practices and those are the things that we can learn from
1: yeah I think so but I and and uh, don't get me wrong uh, the self help industry has has a place and can be really useful yeah, and actually does. I think one of the yeah. probably one of the issues that positive psychology has is that the evidence base that now exists supports some of these people that got it before the evidence base existed. I know. So, <laughs> so these kind of what people envision to be kind of happy, clappy hippies who are talking about gratitude and gratitude diaries and stuff. Now that's evidence based that yeah. how much that has a really good, like a positive impact. And so, <laughs> so you've now got this kind of area of psychology that is providing evidence for stuff that works. Other yes. people have been saying, well, it's rages where kind of normal traditional psychology, you're not really going to be thinking stuff about, I don't know, bias and in- yeah. incongruent stuff and all of the kind of bigger words that sort of traditional psychology uses on a day to day basis. Whereas people talked about yeah. gratitude and, and, and happiness and simplifying and the good life and all of those things existed before positive psychology kind of came along and um, confirmed some of that stuff
0: yeah yeah uh, it, it does then create a, a, a another a group of uh, self-help types who who, who latch on to but now I've I've been telling you this is the right stuff and look here's the evidence to show you how yeah. it was always the right stuff yeah, right. yeah okay uh, there's still yeah still, let, still challenges with that approach
1: and there's still ways and means of doing it and how you do it yes, properly exactly. and effectively and and or for a word I don't really like, authentically and and right and professionally, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. You can because you can spin anything in snake oil, um, and that's what. Absolutely, to, yeah. Be careful of. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. You do got to be careful with that stuff. And one uh, one of the things I'm, I'm really intrigued about is is kind of your experience of you using positive psychology in kind of a healthcare setting because yeah. it's a setting that many of us will know about. Because obviously we've had to use the NHS in many, many ways. Certainly, if you're a UK resident, you will have. In other countries, obviously they've got different healthcare systems, but um, and and I, I guess it's around, yeah, you know, just some, what your experience in trying to do it yourself is one thing which is really nice. But what about your experience while you're in role now in this role where you're you're working with healthcare organisations in different
1: ways? It's taken a while to find both um, a consultancy firm that get it and some clients that are willing to try it. And I've been working nice. in change for a really long time um, yeah. and kind of pushing doing things differently. And, and change is kind of – it's it's fine. There's been so many change failures in the NHS – that it's finally crept up the agenda that actually it might be an important thing to consider and and think about and I've definitely seen that shift in in recent years which has which has helped this but I now work for a consultancy and a boss who gets it she's a strength-based coach by background so um, this stuff is quite intuitive to her and we're putting together this approach and working with clients and now, when we're going out and talking to people, they're saying, okay, we need a new new strategy around this, or we, we want to think about implementing X or Y, and we haven't done it very well before. And yeah. so we tried it again with more controls and more structure, and it still didn't work. So we're not yeah. quite sure what's going on. Um, and it's a journey for them to go on, because you're talking in a way that is no longer linear or binary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, And a lot of time we have to say you're getting stuck on this because you're trying to put something in a box or on a time frame and change isn't boxable or time frameable um, in all all respects. And actually giving a time frame gives a full sense of security that a change project has a beginning and an end.
0: So we say, okay, we're going to start in April.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to be done by December. So the change has an infinite like that. That's the limited time that we've got to deliver the change, and that's when the change will happen. Um, yeah, and it will progress on a day by day basis because time is linear. And you're like, oh, to start with, let's have a chat about what what change is and 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 unpick some right. of that, um, and and about rebalancing. So you you still you will always need the processes and the controls around stuff but you have to put the people back into it and people throw that dynamic off a little bit. And actually, there's some really, really good people in the NHS now that get it, and they're the ones that we're talking to and working with at the moment. The next phase will be kind of how do we share that so that more and more people get it and more and more people can do it for themselves or, or not. A big piece of the work that comes up is around engaging patients. And comms. So a lot of my work at the moment is around communications and engagement. And I know some people have kind of are not a fan of the word engagement, but in the NHS it is it is um, what we talk about a lot. And again, there's some unlearning to do around how you do comms and engagement that isn't just pushing stuff. And it is about yeah. conversations and it's about being ready for those conversations in a way that the NHS hasn't been ready for them before. Social media is driving some of that. Um, right. And pay, really active, engaged patients are driving that. They want better and they're getting involved. And so all of that stuff needs to happen and needs to change and it needs to be different. And that's how we're kind of interplaying the positive psychology stuff and saying, yeah, You need to think about it as a human system rather than this this industrial model of organisations with your kind of um, production line approach and think about things being more emergent, more feedback, more cyclical, less linear, less binary, uh, more and. I talk about being more and a lot. Um, Yes. Because one of the things I think that absolutely petrifies um, NHS organisations with engaging patients is the NHS has a view that it can't really move on and a patient will have a view that they can't really move on and it's so binary in their heads that they just think they're going to spend all this time talking about each of their views and um, right. and not be able to kind of move forward. Um, yeah. So we do a lot of talk about being more and. So actually, NHS organisation, you could be doing what you're trying to do and the patient could be doing what they're trying to do and you will be able to find some common ground, but you yeah, need to be right. really honest about the bits that you can't do and yeah. can't be common on, and feed that back, so you're not just asking patients to come in and say, we want to do this big change in your area, and we'd really like your feedback. That's a really good idea. Thank you for that wall of silence. Never find out what happens again. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it's complicated. <laughs> it's always complicated. I'm not even sure I've answered your question. It is. Yeah, no, um, but it's,
0: it's really, really interesting to hear about how, how um, well, first of all, that you found a, a consultancy that, is in, uh, in, wants to engage in in that way as well, right? Wants to engage people in a different way to what we traditionally do, and that you found that there's somebody who wants to work in that same way. That's that's really encouraging, and I'm really pleased to hear that. Yeah. Um, and then you know beyond that, that there's that there are um, that there are leaders in the NHS who are willing to hear this new way of working as well. Yeah. That's really encouraging as well. Yeah. Because it's it's starting to raise or rather it's if it seems like that in the way you've described it that there's an awareness raised of yeah we've tried things in certain ways before and it's not helping us to get to s- certain outcomes. Yeah. And so we need to try and explore what other what other possibilities are out there and that's really interesting to me.
1: Yeah. And I think to answer your, probably answer your question a bit more precisely, especially in relation to positive psychology, is we don't go big bang. I, don't, I haven't taken appreciative inquiry as an approach, and that's the approach we take. I've taken the yeah. principles and the bits that I like of it and, and applied it to my work. And so the, the main thing that I talk about that's different is just where you lead from. And that's back to what I was saying earlier around not leading from problems, risks, issues, and leading from somewhere slightly different. Um, yeah. So I sometimes I give them, again, I'm not really sure about the word hack, but little hacks that they can do to their day. <sighs> yeah, so, yeah, okay, yeah. don't worry. I've given you lots of stuff around this new area of psychology that might feel very odd to you, might feel okay, you might quite like the idea, but you don't understand how it, you can't see how it would work. So when you go to your next meeting, rather than start from the issues or problems that you need to face start from if it's the right context where reminding everybody where we're trying to get to are we already clear on where we want to get to what's happened over the past few weeks that went really well and just see what happens and most of the time people come back and say that was a a really nice meeting like it was a much nicer yes um so you have to kind of drip feed some little approaches into people uh and then they try it and then that kind of warms them up to it a bit more um and that helps them then go okay let's commit let's 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 do this differently and it's an experiment everything about yeah. change is an experiment and again the the kind of medical model doesn't really allow you to experiment and make mistakes No, it um, doesn't. Yeah. um so yeah that new language of we're experimenting we're going to see what happens and then we're going to adapt and then we're going to see what happens again um is is scary Um, yeah but doable totally doable
0: it is totally doable and yeah even when i consider that in in the non-medical setting and in the different corporate environments i've been in around over the last several years and i've been introducing some of the concepts around positive psychology into those organizations yeah, I've, I've never directly gone in and said, right, we're using um, appreciative inquiry to be able to do this new way of thinking or this new way of uh, facilitation that I'm going to lead with you as a group. I've just done it. I've just gone in and said, right, so this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to approach things. And, and then through that experience, then asking people afterwards, so how was that for you? What was that like? Yeah. And it's often interesting because then – and, and then you know when I'm doing, as I'm going through that, and explaining what we're doing, I will be, I will be honest about it and say, right, you know, so this this comes from a um, an approach of uh, like the way you described it, a more human system, and it's not about that. You know, it has to be in this way. It ha- we have to seek out answers that fit certain molds or whatever. It's more about the exploration and the um, experimentation that we can do, and from that you can you gain insight and you gain learning and you gain reflection and it allow and you have that dialogue with people, which you may not have had in that particular way before. Yeah. And it just opens people up. It it opens up a new way of um, being at work, which is quite interesting.
1: Yeah. It broadens and builds. That's one of the kind of fundamental bits about positive psychology is that it's about broadening your thoughts, language, views and building on that, rather than always trying to fix something as your yeah. immediate immediate thing, um, do some growth, do some learning first. Apply it. Yeah. Do a bit more growth. Do a bit more learning. Apply it.
0: Um, I love that. It broadens and builds.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. I stole that. I can't. I can't claim that. That was on. Uh, is it Miriam Akhtar? Um, The other lady who's. Yes. Yeah. It was on one of her slides. So. Um,
0: Okay, we'll give her a shout on, yeah. those, on, on, on the, <laughs> the notes office. That's very cool. I loved. I'm actually loving that. So um, we've talked a, a fair bit using a terminology called appreciative inquiry. Yeah. So I think we should probably try and help people understand what that is. Yeah. Do you want to try and give it some kind of explanation? Because you've actually done the training in it, and I haven't.
1: Do you know what I have? And. Um, I went to Las Vegas to do it, as you do, um, because actually the, there's a. Where center. else would you go, Sarah? <laughs> there is a company based in Las Vegas called the Center, the Center for Appreciative Inquiry, um, and they're one of the kind of recognised training outlets. I think they probably did a course in Belgium, but I thought Vegas felt much okay. more. Okay. Um, and the pause is because I did my training a while ago. Yeah. And I use the principles that I like, and then I haven't really thought about it since. Okay. So trying to define what it is is not at the forefront of my mind anymore.
0: Um, <laughs> okay, that's okay. So so, so, so talk to about the principles that you that you take from Appreciative Inquiry,
1: then. So it, it is this, it's the build. It's the build and broaden stuff. So um, yeah. okay. they, Appreciative Inquiry uses the, the language of dream, Um and yeah. a, it's about it's about what we've been talking about, starting from um, the vision that you are trying to move towards um, and growing and moving towards that rather than looking at the problem that you are trying to fix and finding solutions yeah. um, to that. Uh, there's a, it's a five stage model. I can't remember that all the stages um, that you go through. It works. In America, they do it really well because they do it on really large scale uh. organizations. Um, in a way that I don't know, it, it doesn't. The Americans when I when I studied it went away and were and found it far easier to apply to the organizations that they were in than I could. Maybe it was right. in the NHS. So they were in oil. They were in. Um, uh, big teaching, so these kind of big conglomerates of schools where you've got like 60 schools joined together. Um, right, yeah, yeah. And they would get people together in stadiums to have like away days in stadiums. Like the size and the scale of it um, was just different Um in a way that I don't know, I can't can't quite put my finger on it. That in a way that it felt easier to apply as a model than I could see yeah. applying okay. back in the UK. And that might be cultural, I don't know, it might have been size, it might be none of those things. It might've just been my not being in a position to apply it um, Yeah. Okay. At the time. Um but I have actually got so I did write a I wrote a blog on my kind of favourite principles and I, I have got reference to it. Um It's it is about language. Uh, I think that's yeah. one of the one of the things that I I took away from the model. That's really important is about how you phrase things, um, and it is this feedback loop we were talking about. So They talk about generative inquiry, so yeah. you're inquiring about stuff. There's a curiosity to it as an approach rather than um, a set of standard questions. You kind of you let it go where it needs to go a bit more, rather than being very defined about um, mm-hmm. the process that you need you need to take um i guess one of the things i also like about it is it's based on the kind of principle that organizations grow in the direction that you focus on so this, nice. this understanding that if you just almost if you, well their belief is that if you focus on risk and issues you create more risks and issues yes exactly um, yeah yeah so it's about being very mindful of where you are placing your attention before you start these experiments of change um and i don't think i had appreciated that fully um before i started on this journey of of looking at change differently because my change experience in the nhs was normal change management you're kind of a project manager slash change manager and you fill in a stakeholder map and you draw some process maps and you've done change and you haven't really talked to anybody <laughs> about it or anything, but yeah. all the boxes are ticked. Um, and yeah. So, I, I mean, I just found the list. There's, you, you kind of define where you want to focus. You go through yeah. some discover a couple of discovery phases. So you get everybody together and you're, it's this co-creation of, of ideas and, and where you want to go and what, how you might get there. And then you, <laughs> create your your vision of where you want to go and then you design your ways that you're going to deliver that future um mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of the steps that it goes through. so it's very similar to other change models that people will have come across it's just these different principles and language and starting from a be- uh, a place of in- well appreciation that's why the appreciative yeah. comes in and inquiry yeah, which is yeah. the, the second part of the name um So, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I don't think I've done that justice at all. And I think anyone who studies a A, appreciative inquiry in detail is going to be like, well, uh, you (laughs) should probably go back and do your course again, because that's not my understanding of it. But that's how I use it, basically. Okay.
0: (laughs) And at the same time, you know, I hear that and I hear the way that you've helped to explain how you think about the principles. And for people who don't know what what the world of AI is it helps to create some connection there with that as well. Yeah. And, you know, so if people do want to go away and explore it further, then there are, it is good to know that there are resources in terms of courses that are, that training people can, that people can go through if they want to. And there are, there are books written on it and there are uh, very many practitioners out there around the world of AI as well.
1: There are. Um, And I think my kind of slightly blase nature (laughs) about it now is that, um, you have to as a as a change practitioner at OD odl and d you have to have a toolkit of stuff um yeah. and you have to be able to apply that toolkit to the right based on what that organization needs and what their culture is and and, and all of that stuff and for me i felt like just saying i do appreciative inquiry with my approach to change it, i wasn't comfortable with that and i i couldn't see how that would apply yeah I, I would it would close more do- doors than it would open in a way that was detrimental to both myself and the people i was trying to work with yeah um, yeah so i use a lot of different things that i like uh so lean change management appreciative yeah. inquiry positive psychology the social psychology i studied linguistics um yeah anthropology uh all of this kind of stuff feeds in feeds into my approach and um, yeah. And then I I pull the bits and kind of use the bits as I do my work. So they've got these found, kind of founding principles and approaches. But uh, I don't, and it's back to the, the kind of bit of conversation we had yesterday around. But I don't haven't created a model. I don't have four pieces yeah, or, yeah. or, or a, yeah, yeah. a a nice smart art diagram on how I can yeah, um, yeah. describe what I do, which is which is sometimes difficult for me. Because it's hard to describe and difficult for people to understand, but usually when you go through the principles of what you're trying to achieve and the subtle yeah. shift from problem focus to future and being pulled forward rather than kind of constantly trying to drag the past forward, um, people people do tend they do tend to get it. Um, yeah, and it is yeah. it is that. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to probably well, you know, but working I did um, I spent some time with Judy Driver. Uh, a few years ago Um, and kind of the one of the main things I took from that is that she reminded me of that toolkit and understanding the culture of the organisation that you're working with so and and Mm -hmm. the analogy that came out of it for me was there's no point turning up to climb Everest with just my kind of bikini and my sun cream like I haven't thought (laughs) about the context of where I'm going (laughs) and you need to think about what I'm bringing in my bag to whether that suits the environment that I'm about to head into and that's why i like a, yeah, range, okay. a range of stuff but fundamentally the, the the foundation the bit that everything is built on is this positive psychology principles and then i've added other layers on on top of that
0: i'm totally with you seth and i i am absolutely with you on that um that i i i have also made the active choice that my starting point in most things will be um, how do we look at how can, how can we look at the world or how do we see the world in a way which helps us to think about if we can build things, if we can strengthen things we can help people be their best selves I say that phrase a lot and so for me I find that if we if we focus on those things it enables a, such a different set of conversations because I've had all those other types of conversations that, that we've been speaking about where it's around so what's going wrong and how do we fix things and those are important conversations to have and i don't ever dismiss that we need to have those conversations because it often things are about that they're not working and that there is a a system that is broken or is fundamentally flawed in certain ways and so you do need to acknowledge those things and address those things and correct for them and at the same time it allows. If we also allow ourselves to think that there are, in the world of, in the world, um, using terminology from AI, we can dream, we can um, go through a discovery process, we can um, design and we can deliver in a certain way, then that allows us to also think that we, we we can get to a different set of outcomes that we may not have thought could be possible previously. And it is and it is helpful to kind of just go through the AI stuff as well. And I might have to try and convince my boss if she'd be okay with me going to Vegas. too. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I should I mean, say I funded it myself. No, <laughs> no organisation signed off on sending me to Vegas, but um, but I think it's back yeah, to. Okay. So yesterday they were talking about this second wave of positive psychology and from an image, yeah, amazing.
0: So I didn't had, even know there was a first.
1: Yeah, no, so the first oh, wave, yeah, on. kind of being the initial emergence of positive psychology as a a, field of practice and imagery wise that being kind of a smiley face and now they've moved into this (sighs) second wave of practice where imagery wise it was portrayed as kind of the yin and yang symbol and that's the connotation of positive psychology is that other psychology is negative whereas it's just a different approach and a traditional approach and actually positive and using the word positive Goes with the word negative, but creates binary, which again, isn't really um, what positive psychology is about. So this second wave is far more focused on the interplay of the negative and the positive that exists, the black and white, the light and dark, the the issues and problems and the solutions together Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and is more about balance, which, again, everybody appreciates that kind of the solution to most stuff is balance and and balancing stuff out and and you you can't i you can't grow without some bad stuff um, yeah and the, those risks and issues because they're the challenges that make you strive to do something differently um yeah. so that they are there they exist and they need to be acknowledged and and, and i can't i think we've had conversation about this before but positive psychology people being but yeah but there are problems and the organization is really difficult and it's like yeah and that's not going to be ignored we're just not leading we're not leading from that it will be covered and we will look at that but we're not going to start with things are really awful i know you're really tired but i'm going to ask you to do more you haven't had a pay rise for a million years but i'm still going to ask you to do more and then i'm gonna then you're going to read stuff in the papers about how you're not doing enough And nurses don't work hard enough and managers, there's too many, like all of the press that, that goes on around being in healthcare. And I mean, the standard, we must do more with less efficiency gains, the language about Uh, it. uh, Most NHS documents start with that as their kind of opening paragraph. Um, Even if the following paragraphs are, but we've got a really new and interesting way of doing things. You've almost lost lost people yeah. already because they're like, "Oh yeah. God, here comes another ask." You've wrapped it up <laughs> in a nice approach that is yeah, actually quite yeah. interesting, but it's another ask. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so this I like the idea. I, I, I'm interested to see where this second wave goes, or or some of the stuff yeah, that comes no, it's out really of that, that looks at that balance and in the interplay a bit more.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it's interesting because when I've I remember uh, here going to a talk. By one of um, a well known um, speaker in the area of positive psychology, and he's done a lot of research. His name is Tal Ben Shahar. He's an Israeli psychologist who's done a lot of work around positive psychology, and you know, his course was one of the most popular at MIT or Harvard yeah. Yeah. When, it, when, it, when he um, ran it there. And you know, w- one of the things that he talks about quite you know, right up front in his talks is that you can't dismiss reality. And you have to accept that if you're in a bad situation, it doesn't matter, any level of positive thinking isn't going to get you out of that bad situation. Yeah. You have to make that bad situation better by either, you know, whatever it is, it, you need to find a way through and or out of it, which helps you to then start actually building yourself back up and trying to find out where your strengths are. And And so it's interesting that there's a, there's more of a drive to really start to explore what the yin and the yang of, psych- of positive psychology of psychology is about. But also, I remember when when I I think I first went to hear Martin Seligman talk about the topic, and he described it in a way to say that psychology, in its traditional approach, is about helping people move from a place of you know, psychological or mental disturbance or ill health to a state to Kind of, um, to a, a place or a state of being, for want of a better word, normal, yeah. where where you're able to function regularly without being burdened with your psychological mental ill health, and that's and if you can get to that stage, that's a really good outcome. That's such a good outcome because you're able to function as most people would want to function in everyday life. But and his focus on wanting to call it positive psychology was. Because it was going to focus on how do people who are functioning as well as they can on a regular basis, how how can we enable them to thrive? How can we enable them to live an even more positive life, which, uh, which allows them to feel more happy, they have improved well-being, their resilience is raised, all of those things. And so, as I've understood it over the years, that's where I've always understood that the phrase "positive psychology" has come from. Yeah, and and I also completely appreciate that because of that terminology, it does have it does present the binary language of um, well, there must be negative psychology, yeah. and actually there isn't, but it's just because of the wording it it means that you you are taken to that place.
1: Yeah, and I think I really like the fact this second wave positive psychology used the word interplay because I think again this kind of Martin Seligman and his perma model is great but it almost suggests that you move towards this kind of more positive state and stay there Uh, and maybe I've not read enough into it but for me you're going to go back there's going to be loops. You're going to have yeah, days, that are, yeah, yeah. days, that, are days yeah. that are bad and days that are good and days that are bad and days that are good. And that's natural, regardless of ill mental health or not. That is just life. Um, yes, and that is. interplay and yeah. in how you kind of um, deal with that. Um, yeah. And about and coexisting. So that's what I'm teaching clients. Like, stuff can be and. You can... Yes,
0: exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you can be... Uh, have a really bad mental health day and still be good at something on that day. Like the negative stuff doesn't mean that that state is all encompassing and there's no good in it. And you can dislike yourself uh, and like yourself at the same time. Like these, we're so binary with our definitions of stuff that we forget that it, that we can coexist. So you can, you can be in real distress and still be growing. It doesn't begin once you distress it. Like it, yeah, it's this interplay and the, the non-binary nature of stuff that is is a big driver. So, be more and yeah. is kind of my <laughs> hashtag for a want of a, a better word, and it's hard. It's really hard to do, but be more and is. is kind of my driving uh, principle, or just being able to try and find and um, yeah in stuff.
0: So, and what I love about that is a number of things actually, because I, I I've I've always strives to try and be there in that in in that kind of approach of just because you're having a bad day in the way in the exact way you just described it right just because you're having a bad day and it might be a bad mental health day or you're not really, right doesn't mean you still can't be affected it yeah. doesn't mean you still can't achieve and do some really good stuff and I absolutely agree with you on that and and for me I think that's how I've always understood positive psychology anyway is that it allows for you to it allows for you to build your resilience and your well-being in some very, very good ways, so that when you are having bad days, because they do happen, you're allowed to have those bad days almost, because you've got so many other yeah. activities which can enable you to do good stuff. That on those in those down low periods, it's totally okay, you know. And I, 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 one of the kind of situations I'm taken to is that if somebody suffers a bereavement. You know that's that's always going to be a hard thing to have to live through and you're never gonna have um i say never it's gonna it's hard to have um days where you are not thinking about that bereavement but it doesn't always mean that the bereavement has to has to be debilitating to you you can experience the bereavement and you can still carry on in a very very high functioning way yeah and And so that's
1: yeah and again it's a really good example and it's an example of where our binary thinking is really difficult in relation to grief because
0: yeah
1: if you've just lost someone and you're grieving but someone sees you smiling in the supermarket they're like well they don't look very sad that so-and-so's just died, and it's like i can still have i can still be grieving and have positive emotions about other other stuff um, exactly and yeah, yeah and uh, yeah uh, and as a total aside but i recently came across the podcast called grief cast all right it's the yeah. most amazing thing so it's um a lady called Carrie ad who's a comedian and she interviews yeah. other comedians about their experiences of death and people that they've lost uh, and are remembering and it is phenomenal it's the best thing i've done for my grief i mean my my dad died when i was uh, 25 and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I literally found it in the last couple of days, and it's probably the most transformative thing I've done in terms of thinking about and dealing with my grief um, in a long time. Because it's just so open, it's really raw and really honest. But there's this element of comedy that kind of makes you feel a bit safer um, and more and more digestible. And yeah, and it's just I've listened to about four or five of them on the way back in the car from London yesterday, and yeah. But again, you see this uh, resilience in people that's coming through that is this inherent positive psychology that plays out, but they don't know that that's what's happening to hold on to it as a coping mechanism to kind of use that going forward. And quite a few of the people I listened to weren't comedians before they lost their loved one and kind of that's been their route of dealing with it. So it's all really interesting. So yeah, yeah, I can't can't recommend it enough, even if you've never, if you haven't lost anybody. It's, it's a good one. It's a really okay. good podcast.
0: I shall try and seek it out. Yeah. That's good to know. Thank you. And the other thing that it made me think about is that you're... Um, and we, we can hashtag it. It's totally cool to have the hashtag be more hand. That's
1: okay.
0: <laughs> is that I remember a long while ago, and I don't know if it was because of my reading around positive psychology or not. I don't remember where I started this practice in myself was... I, 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 always, I find a lot of the times that I talk I used to talk with, but, oh, but you can't, oh, but this. And I get what you're saying, but, and that was always, I found that really, and, and I, 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 I'm trying to think back to, I don't remember where it, I don't remember what made the shift for, suddenly for me to go, um, and it must have been because I attended or heard somebody say yeah. that, that someone said, change the word but for and, and see where that takes your conversation and I've made it the most conscious thing I have to really make sure I do. Yeah. Because I don't unless I unless there's a good reason to use the word but and they they can be you know, if you have to make some good comparisons or if you um, if you want to express something in a certain way, then using the word but can be helpful. And at the same time, I recognise that when I use the word "and," I do it very purposefully, mm-hmm. because I know that when I use it, it means I have to think differently. I yeah. have, because I because I've just I've just carried on, I'm continuing the my line of thinking or the conversation in a certain way, and I don't want to drag the conversation down.
1: Yeah.
0: I want to keep it. I want to keep it progressive. I want to keep it generative. You know, using the words of AI. Excuse me, um, um, and in doing that, it means I have to be really conscious about the words I'm using. And if I use the word "but," it means it gets taken one direction, yeah. which I'm which I don't necessarily want it to go down. And so I have to use the word. Well, I don't have to use the word "and." I choose to use the word "and" because I know it's going to take me in a direction I want to get to, and I and that I'm able to lead the conversation in a certain way.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I absolutely love that, and I mean, I make no qualms about this. One of the reasons I'm interested in positive psychology is because I'm a butt person. I'm not that sounds even worse than I meant, but I use the word like I use the word butt. I know what you mean. Yes. Um, and I have quite a fixed mindset about stuff. I'm so good at it for other people, but for myself, I'm really bad. So I think, and I think for a lot of people, you're drawn to this stuff because you're you want to do and be better be for yourself so there's two things that that brought up for me is one I've been toying with going to an improv class for a really long time but now I've said it out loud I probably have to commit to it but for the (laughs) nature that somebody said to me because that's and when I was like being more and they're like have you thought about improv and I was like that literally feels like my worst nightmare which is a probably why it's good for me and b why it'll be quite interesting so that's kind of on my list and then having a two-year-old and applying kind of positive parenting, so the stuff that I'm learning from positive psychology in a parenting way, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. we don't say but, but we try not to say no. Yeah. Um, because no ten- seems to always end up in a tantrum. Yeah. So, and it's really hard, especially if they're doing something uh, that needs to stop immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, we try not to say no. So having to be really thoughtful about Okay, if, like I can so see you're standing on a chair, but chairs are for sitting on. So why don't we do this instead and go on yes, the floor exactly. rather than no, yes. yeah, don't yeah. stand on the chair? Because all she hears is stand on the chair anyway. She doesn't like exactly. if you say to a kid, don't put your finger on your nose. They literally can't do anything do but it. put finger yeah. on it because that's all they, they can hear. Exactly they don't understand that. the yeah. don't and the no. So, <laughs> so there's for for your journey with buts. Again, this is yeah. um, I, I'm going to take that because I hadn't thought about it in that way before, and I'm going to see if I use. But more than I think I do, and try not to in a way that I'm doing that with Esme and trying not to say no as my default or don't as my yeah. default language for yeah. her, and it's made such a big difference in in terms of resistance and tantruming because she feels she has, she doesn't feel so constrained. She has yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> false yeah,
0: false, false choice. Years old.
1: <laughs> I have control, child. I think. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't have any control. She's two. Um, I don't know. I've
0: got three children, and I think I've. I think I've got to the stage where, oh no, I, I, there are other. My, my twin boys are now 11 and my daughter's eight and we're, we're at the stage where we just have full-blown arguments about pretty much everything. Nice. It's, uh, can you can you go and put the clothes away? Why do I have to put the clothes away? Because I asked you to do it, please. Uh, can't, why can't my brother or sister do it? You never asked them to do it. Okay. And then I get stuck. Do yeah. I, sh- sh- should I be going to ask them because I don't know if I'm unfairly asking you to do more, or do I stand I. my ground and say just do what I'm asking you to do, or do I just try and have a different conversation and yeah. say, hey, how about you do it today and not tomorrow, or something yeah.
1: like this? They're so wily. I, uh, These kids are so wily. They really are. And uh, but one of <laughs> uh, having having as my having a child has really helped my practice. Because as we were saying earlier, like she is the living embodiment of positive psychology principles. It's just natural to them to live in this hedonistic state of (laughs) what is best for their happiness and what they want to do. And uh, obviously they they don't necessarily have the social stuff to understand that in the wider context. But I mean, she already understands that what makes other people unhappy and already it too. And in a way that some adults I work with don't have that. Um, capacity still, and I, I I met a really interesting lady yesterday that works in doing positive psychology coaching into the edu- educational space, and yep. she runs train the trainer programs to teachers who then teach children. The children do peer to peer positive psychology yep. coaching on each other, which I just thought was beautiful. Um, that is great. And yeah, getting some of this in as early as possible, early years, not three. Yeah. Really get it in get them kind of practicing some of this stuff. Teachers <clears> in terms of how they use their language and how they. Um, interact with children, how they learn, and all of that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: That's so cool. That's so cool. See, the other place that I realised that I use the word but a lot was in my writing. Yeah. So when I when I really became when I became really aware of what language I use and where I use that language, I had to also really look at, or rather, I, I realised that when I was writing, I would I would say the word but. Lots, far too much, far, far too many more in too many more instances than I wanted to. And it, I always realized that it took me to a place of, or, or rather it meant that I, and, and, and often what it meant was I had to completely rewrite the whole email because I'd toned the The tone of the email was in a particular, in a particular style, which I didn't want to do. I didn't want it to be in that style. I had just written it. Yeah. And, and, and so that was something else that came... To, that that was one of my realisations for
1: yeah. myself. And I think that the language stuff is what I'm going to start looking into a bit more because it's, it's become yeah. so important in my work and how... So, yeah, how the, the, the NHS language, A, has its own language in itself, but has mm. this... It's a massive organisation, and yet the stories it tells itself and the narrative it uses is persistent across all of those organisations in a way that is mind, literally Um, mind-blowing. And so uh, unpicking it is really difficult. So I was on a a Twitter chat with um, some some people uh, um, talking about how to better engage patients, and someone had a good idea and someone from the NHS kind of moderatory people said, "Brilliant! How yeah. do we mandate that?" And I was like, oh god. "Probably by not thinking or using the term mandate." Mandate,
0: yeah, yeah. Exactly. but it's such yeah. an oh NHS god. word yeah. that
1: is used so often um, yeah. that it, that it is that kind of really pervasive language of mandating or yes, that comes out. And as soon as I said it, she was like, "Oh my god, yeah, I t- I, I totally get that. That wouldn't be what I would want to say, but it is this." It just comes out of people that have been in the NHS for yeah. a really long time. and So the kind of... And we're talking back to Phil's Emotion at Work podcast, the linguistics mm-hmm. one was really interesting to me.
0: It was. It was really yeah. interesting, yeah.
1: So, yeah. yeah, the language... It's so powerful, isn't it? Communication, how we write stuff and how we say stuff is really powerful and we often don't really think about it yeah. um, enough. No, we okay. don't. Um, not, not nearly enough.
0: And where I've seen... You know, I, I think there's there's plenty of examples of just kind of normal everyday conversations that I'm part of and that I have and that I hear other people have and I read and I see. And, and you see so many ways that if someone had just worded it differently, had said something in a different way, if they had heard something in, in a better way, then there would be so many instances when conversations would just be in a much better place yeah. or relationships would be in a better place. Yeah. But... Um, I know, I've just used the um, oh, yeah. word, but, but but because they haven't got because they haven't got to that place of understanding of the of how of the influence of language and where it can take people, and and that's kind of because you know for most people language is a means to get what you need, yeah, you know, as opposed to uh, being generative and being appreciative. It tends to be from a place of demand and supply, right, and yeah. command and control and all, yeah. all, all kind of traditional methods and models of management and, and stuff that has come yeah. from the last, like, 20, 30, well, actually longer, yeah. um, but for a long time.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing it back to Appreciative Inquiry and trying to redeem myself a bit in that space. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, okay, they're kind of... <laughs> they're sort of a mini-slogan they use is that words create worlds, so what do you say you become? And That's also... So nice. um, the, question, the, the thing that I find really important in the change work is quest, questions and focus ignites your change. So the second you start questioning or thinking about what you want to create, your change has yeah. started. It doesn't start once the project plan is written mm-hmm. and the start date is agreed and that start date passes. The second you bring this stuff into life and talk about yeah. it, that's it. You, you've started to change um, yeah. and you've had the conversations that you can't undo so if you then don't go forward yeah, with that change, you've still you've still changed something by having those conversations. So yeah, language and how we say it um, is a big part of uh, appreciative inquiry. Um, and this to get and this this in it no, it's really cheesy. Not in it together, but this um, not being able to do it alone and needing everybody's thoughts and um, yeah, non non command control. Um, yeah, yeah. True, true co creation, not co creation as in we've got an idea, we're going to talk to you about it. If you like it, we co create <laughs> yeah. it. Like, um, because
0: that's not co creation at all.
1: Wait, isn't the NHS? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I'm, I'm mindful of time. So. Yeah, I know.
1: Um, and we could, li- I could, we could be here next week's having a nice chat about this stuff. would be.
0: There's so much more that we could still continue to talk about. Um, is there anything that you think that you'd like to wrap up with before we bring it together in some way I don't even know how we're going to bring it together but mm. anyway is there something that is there anything else that you'd like to get to?
1: Um, no, I mean we've definitely covered off all I wanted to talk about I think uh, yeah, definitely Fair. have um, start small <laughs> don't mind like I think one of the things I wanted to <laughs> discuss with you is uh yeah. oh my god, this stuff can get so big, do I need to neaten it and put it in a linear map so people understand my approach? And actually talking it through with you today, I'm like, nah, I don't need to. And uh you can start small and this stuff can can work. I don't I don't you don't need a big complicated model or a, a big approach to stuff. Yeah. Yeah,
0: no, I agree, absolutely. It's, be
1: more and hashtag I, I, be more and yeah. be less butt. <laughs> <laughs> this is my new one. <laughs> yeah. Loving
0: that.
1: And come find me at my local. I'll be doing some improv show. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I
0: think it was from a. I, I don't think I attend, I don't think I attended an improv workshop, but I think I attended something where it was. It it was a group of comedians who were leading it, and it must have been the practice that they had used there around the use of and in how they do their improv. Yeah, uh, because I think that's one of the things that they lead with is that. When someone says something, you say, and, in order to build on it, as yep. opposed to not
1: exactly. being
0: So I think that's where it came from.
1: And if you're still confused, just keep listening to this podcast, because a <laughs> <it's laughs> you know, as the weeks go on.
0: <laughs> well, there is a lot to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's just one of the things. That, you know, I think your first point around small steps, you know, w- whenever I talk to anyone about this stuff, it is I, I always just come at it from that place, right, which is just try something easy and manageable. And from there, once you're ready to start taking it to the next place, you've got you've, you're then building for yourself an evidence base of well, it worked in this way. I tried it, and and or it didn't work in that way, and I can maybe try it another way. Yeah. And then in a couple of months' time, you might be ready to think about well, okay, I think I'm kind of getting there with whatever these small steps are. I'm now ready to start thinking about what else could be happening and where else I could take stuff. And That makes sense because that's then nice. you, you're you're doing things in in a manageable, comfortable way, and you're not having to try and you know change everything all at the same time in one big yeah I you know, I, yeah. you know I, I can I can easily liken that to a change model right yeah. which is you know change most traditional change approaches have been here's a big massive plan of how we're going to do absolutely everything, and it's going to take us this complete length of time to do it okay that's one way to approach it but. The uh, or other and another approach is that you can start small and you do lots of experiments and those experiments help you to figure out where you, where you need to go next. Yeah, and you can set yourself some clear, nice, clear parameters of well, by this stage we should be at this point. If we haven't got to that point by that stage, then we need to review what's happened in order to not make those same mistakes and do something else different for the next round.
1: Yeah. And there's that I mean that's probably one of life's most important life lessons right there. Do something, <laughs> review yeah. it, change it, try again, learn from it. Um yes. and that's all we're doing as practitioners, right? That's what we're trying yeah, to get exactly. people to do. Keep doing those yeah, little yeah. cycles. Broaden and broaden and build.
0: Broaden and build. I am so loving that. It is such a good phrase.
1: Yeah, thanks, Miriam. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, Sarah, thank you. Thank you very, very much for being my guest mm. my second guest on the podcast. Yay.
1: has thank been you. an
0: absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being somebody that I can chat to this stuff about. And um, can't wait to hear more. Can't wait to hear the more 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 from you on this. Okay.
0: That sounds uh, I don't know even know where to take that. Song, though, so I'm going to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you everyone for listening and if uh, as as normal if you have enjoyed this then please do like subscribe comment let us know that you've been listening to it and where it's taken you as well thank you very much everyone